there's this philosophy that me and my partner we we ride on is is called cut the fat. And what that means is what you're not good at, you leverage, because you cannot be good at everything. Um, you know, by the time we go and I share 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 with you my background, um, you're gonna know a little bit about me and um, my educational background and a whole bunch of other stuff. But we came to the realization that in order for a business to succeed, uh, you gotta put yourself out there. And if we don't really know how to do it, we need to bring in the expert. Welcome to the Accelerated Investor Podcast with Josh Cantwell. Josh Cantwell. If you love entrepreneurship and investing in real estate, then you are in the right place. Josh is the CEO of Freeland Ventures Real Estate Private Equity and has personally invested in well over 500 properties all across the country. He's also made hundreds of private lender loans and owns over 1,000 units of apartments. Josh is an expert at raising private money for deals, and he prides himself on never having had a boss in his entire adult life. Josh and his team also mentor investors and entrepreneurs from all over the world. He doesn't dream about doing deals. He actually does them, and so do his listeners and students. Now sit back, listen, listen learn, learn, and accelerate your business, your life, and your investing with the Accelerated Investor Podcast. So, hey, welcome back to Accelerated Investor. Josh Cantwell back here with you. And I am, uh, man, I'm, I'm just blessed and excited and, you know, just uh, really grateful for all of our members who are participating in this podcast and sharing this uh, on social media and it, leaving us comments and ratings and reviews and questions. Uh, you know, we, we're just getting tons of engagement, uh, a lot of awareness about what we're doing and what we're teaching as far as raising capital, investing in apartments, investing in cash flow, and as well as, you know, taking people down their entrepreneurial journey. Uh, today, I have an amazing guest. His name is Tenny Tolafari. He immigrated to the U.S. about 10 years ago from Nigeria. And so for those of you who are thinking like, hey, I don't, you know, I don't know if the real estate's going to work for me. There's a lot of hurdles, a lot of challenges. I don't know how to raise money. Uh, I don't have a lot of connections. Uh, I don't know. I don't know how it all works. I don't have the knowledge. I mean, imagine coming to the U.S., uh, not really knowing a lot of people, not having a huge network, not having really raised a lot of money before, uh, immigrating to the U.S. and building a multifamily empire in just the last 10 years, uh, having to, to learn lots of new things, learn, meet a lot of new people, uh, and really not, just, not, not having a ton to fall back on other than grit and talent and drive and motivation. That is my guest today. Tenny, thanks so much for hopping on Accelerated Investor with me today. Man, thank you very much, Josh. <laughs> I can I can uh, speak too much on those uh, great compliments. I really do appreciate it. Um, you know, thank you for having me. I'm excited. You, you hit the nail on the head. Um, being excited to be uh, have this opportunity and this platform to you know share my story with you. So I do appreciate you uh, having me. Yeah, you bet. You bet, Tony. So, um, what I'd love to talk about with my guests right off the rip is what they're working on right now, like today or yesterday or tomorrow. Like, what are you doing in the middle of this virus business? Um, but what do you, what are you excited to work on? Do you have a new apartment that you're working on? Are you raising money for a deal? Are you doing analysis on some deals? Are you networking? Tell us about some of the stuff you're doing right now. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you very much. Um, again, I want to, first of all, appreciate you for everything that you do for this platform. 
I know a lot of people listen to your your podcast and get a lot of value. So, so continue to shine a light and uh, thank you for that. Um, me and my partner, you know, again, the name of my um, real estate investment company is Excite Capital. Um, me and my partner, Leslie Awasom, um, you know, we opened up the company last year, uh, 2019, January of 2019. And uh, since then, it's, an amazing, it's been an amazing journey. Uh, since this whole pandemic started, uh, we went back to the drawing board and started asking ourselves, um, what's going on? What, what, what are we going to do right now? You know, what's going on with the market? Uh, what's going on with the properties? What are real estate professionals think, saying about all the different types of asset classes available out there? And what will be our own strategy? So presently, what we're doing, we're just trying to double down. While everybody's is kind of just relaxing, watching TV and stuff, we are actually <laughs> out there marketing. Um, we're trying to build a great marketing campaign right now about why um, real estate is a great asset class, specifically multifamily. Uh, for people to get into. So we're actually doing a serious marketing campaign right now. We just brought in, we just had a, market, a marketing strategist uh, recently um, to help us with our brand. Uh, so we're working on all of that, you know, just to make sure that once we get off this whole uh, pandemic situation, we're ready and good to go. Um, because a yeah. lot of people want to do business and they don't focus on the marketing. Uh, they think that, you know, uh, people will know them. Uh, one thing that I've come to the realization is you cannot be in obscurity and allow people to know that and people will know you. You have to make people know that you are available and this is what you're doing. So me and my partner, Leslie, this is what we've been working on uh, to make sure that we're not in obscurity anymore because that's one of the yeah. problem to, problems we faced when we first started. Yeah, so um, so you're bringing on actually a marketing strategist. So it sounds like maybe, and don't correct me if I'm wrong, but if that's not your wheelhouse, right? If that's not your mm-hmm. expertise, maybe your expertise is raising money and deal structuring, and your expertise is not necessarily marketing. I definitely applaud you for taking a look and kind of doing some self reflection, saying like, this is my like my zone of genius is not necessarily in marketing myself or branding myself, let's bring someone else on to do that. Is that, is that kind of your thought process? Like you want to focus on finding deals and finding money and have someone else do the branding and marketing for you to kind of get your name out there, get more exposure? Absolutely. Absolutely. There's this philosophy that me and my partner, we, we write on is, is called cut the fat. And what that means is what you're not good at, you leverage because you cannot be good at everything. Um, you know, by the time we go and I share, share with you my background, um, you're going to know a little bit about me and um, my educational background and a whole bunch of other stuff. But we came to the realization that in order for a business to succeed, uh, you got to put yourself out there. And if we don't really know how to do it, we need to bring in the expert. So that's what we're doing right now. Yeah, especially in the multifamily space, right? Because so many deals, especially... Uh, you know, in the big multifamily space, a lot of those deals never hit the market. They're all done off market. They're all done as pocket listings or they're done direct to seller. And those brokers and sellers have to know and have confidence that you can close. And a lot of that comes down to networking, putting yourself out there. If they don't know you, if they don't have a feel for who you are or have a relationship with you or, you know, have either maybe had a coffee or soup or broken bread with you or, or met face to face or online, they're, they're never really going to even bring you the opportunities, right? So it's almost a must do in the big multifamily space. You can get away in like, you know, residential and small multifamily. You can get away with not necessarily being out there or not really networking that much. Um, you can still mm-hmm. find a lot of deals. 
but the bigger and the better the deals, the more the broker is really protecting their reputation and protecting their commission uh, and only want to bring the best deals to people that they already know. So just t- tell me about that experience for you. Um, again, it goes back to some people want to do stuff and they want to do it in isolation. You can, you can only be one person and you can only have one knowledge. You can only go out there and, you know, do as much as you can when it comes to research online. But it's different when you're having conversations with people that are ahead of you, 10 times ahead of you, 100 times ahead of you, and you're, you're networking with them and learning from them. One big piece of our marketing strategy is how do we make sure we create, we continue to create ties with people that are already big in the marketplace, such that they know that we are playing. So some of the things that we do is we go to conferences, right? We try to attend a lot of podcasts, just like I'm having with you right now. We try to make sure we are having conversations with the industry experts, um, make sure that they know that we are here as well and we are students of the game. Um, we're learning. We're not like um, the expat that they think that okay, these are the, the expat in the industry. We're just learning, 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 and applying the things that we learn in our in our journey. That's um, great. So networking has played a huge part. Um, again, if you want me to go some go into some more details about how. We, we started up our journey. I, I can share that with you. Yeah. Yeah. Let's, let, let's do that because, um, you know, a lot, a lot of people in real estate that maybe think like, I just want to buy properties and I want to create cash flow. They don't, they don't think that networking is a big part of, of the other tactics of finding deals, finding money, finding partners, finding boots on the mm-hmm. ground operators. A lot of that comes through networking. I mean, we own 2,600 sure. units of apartments and we've done that with guys that wow. we have really good relationships with. They're not guys that we just found off the street or deals that we bought on our own with nobody else. As you know, the, yeah. the, the multifamily space is very much a partnership-based business, especially the bigger Absolutely. deals. There's multiple people sitting on the general partnership and then potentially dozens of people sitting on the limited partnership side, depending on how much money you're raising. And all of those relationships typically come through networking and relationships. You know, we, we've done 506B and we've done 506C cap raises and the 506C mm-hmm. cap raises, they don't feel the same because you have a lot of new relationships, a lot of people that are just, you know, feeling you out. I particularly love the, the 506B right. relationships because we're already really deep with those people. It all comes down to networking. So people, let's, yeah. so Tony, let's back up because a lot of people don't understand that, but you had a number of particular challenges immigrating to the U.S. 10 years ago that a lot of other people, yes. they don't have, right? You, you came here 10 years ago, <laughs> not knowing a lot of people, not knowing a lot of the areas, language, all this different stuff. And then you also wanted to jump into real estate at the same time. It's not like you just relied on the W-2. So tell us, why did you come to the U.S.? What brought you here? And then, you know, how did you get established? And then we'll talk a little bit about your jump into, in, into multifamily. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, thank you, man. Um, you're just telling me about they're saying that me coming into the United States. He's just pushing me all the way back to, to yeah. Uh, my, uh, I my see that big smile video. on your face, man. I can tell like it's a, it, it's a it, probably a point of pride. It's probably a point of like a lot of excitement, emotion, right? So I can I can see absolutely, your body absolutely. language is changing as I'm watching you for sure, man. It's awesome. So tell us about it, man. What a what a what a big challenge to overcome. Yeah, absolutely. So. You know, I'm uh, I'm I'm a second to the last child of seven. I'm a twin uh, with a with a girl. 
Um, I'm raised with uh, by by mom and a dad. My mom is a is a petty trader. I don't know what I don't know if you understand what a petty trader is. Petty trader is basically mm-hmm. the guys that the guys that sell stuff. They sell stuff in the open market. Um, so she sells okay. something called Gary, which is a food that we eat in in Nigeria. And what is Gary? Tell me about Gary. What is what, what's the closest like uh, what's the closest thing you can compare it to in the U.S. Um, <laughs> nothing. <laughs> honestly, honestly, nothing because it's made out of cassava. Cassava is the is the is a plant that they use to make it. And when okay. I was little, I went to the to the to the village with my grandma, and I saw the process of how to do it. It's kind of an interesting uh, process of planting and harvesting. Um, anyways, okay. that was the trade my mom was doing. She's a petty trader. Um, you think about you know how they have like um, dump trucks, the big dump trucks. Mm-hmm. that they used to carry a whole bunch of concrete and stuff like that. Yeah. My mom used to be on top of that. They call it 911 in Nigeria. She used to be on top of that with the, with the goods. The goods are going to be on the bottom part of the, 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 the truck, and then they will stay on top of it and travel like 30 to 40 miles okay. from one end to another to buy and sell those goods. Um, yeah. And sometimes they go through the night. Um, I didn't know the danger my mom was in until I became older. <laughs> okay. No, normally, we just be like, she went to the market. She's going to be back. But later on, I realized that they usually just hang on top of those trailers for a very long ride to be able to yeah. buy the, the product and bring it back to the marketplace. So that's how she, she raised uh, us. My mom, but that was a cop. And you, I don't know if you're familiar with cops in Nigeria. They don't make a lot of money as well. Okay. And we have, uh, they had seven kids. So I didn't really uh, grow up from the, the best of the best. That's a lot of people. Sure. Um, actually, <laughs> I, I usually joke to let people know that, listen, when you think about that kid in Africa that was in a class and there was holes, there are holes in their, in their school pants, I was yeah. one of those kids. Because that was in you. My, yeah. In, the, in, the, in my primary school, we were asked to sit on the floor. There is no seats. Like you can sit on a desk to learn. Yeah. So you have to sit on the floor. Um, and wow. then by the time you sit on the floor for so long, your the concrete on the floor start eating into your pants. <laughs> <laughs> Holy smokes. So 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 all my friends, like all my friends who are thinking about getting into real estate or in real estate who are thinking like, I don't know if I could do this. I don't know if if i if I'm smart enough, I don't know if I have the knowledge, I don't know if I have the connections. I mean, at least you have the ability to sit in a desk, right? Learn the business, sit at a desk, Absolutely. learn in a chair, like a big you know, leather chair like this or whatever. You know, I have I have three offices in my home, right? So wow. my wife's, we have one upstairs for my kids, which should be mine, but I gave it to them. And then mm-hmm. now I'm in the basement home office. And then I have mm-hmm. a, a real office where all of our employees go and I have another beautiful space there. Wow. So and I so I have four chairs and you take that totally for granted to think that you grew up sitting on a concrete floor with the concrete eating into your pants and that's you that's just the beginning of the story. I know, I know, <laughs> but I'm just thinking like how the little things we take for granted and the people who concoct in their brain all their challenges that they have. I can't do real estate because of this, this, and this. At least you have clothes and pants and a desk and a chair. Like those things that you took for granted, Tenny didn't even have when he was a kid. His mom is literally taking a a, a dump truck as like an Uber ride to the market. Yep. I mean, that's amazing. Just hearing that. So tell, tell us more. Like what, what, tell, tell us about what happens next. 
So, uh, you know, I went to school, not smart at all. If they say people are smart, some people now see me and say, this guy is smart, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, yeah. don't say that, right? So not having the best of education while I was growing up um, hit a lot of my ego. So I had my twin sister, she was brighter than me when we were little. So when you think about kids knowing how to spell, like I-T, E-T, S-O, so, N-O, no, I yeah. couldn't do all of that. Wow. I was like six or seven years old. I couldn't spell. Um, and then I can remember one of my aunts saying, dude, what the hell is going on with you, man? Look at your sister. She's doing good. Why yeah. can't you, why can't you, you know, pick up stuff? <laughs> if I don't learn, they don't, I don't have the right environment to learn about yeah. these things. How do you expect me to know how to do it? Anyways, I went out of a primary school, went into a um, high school. Now, because of, I didn't have self-esteem, I had to depend on other people to pass my classes. Like when okay. they say, you know what, you know, in Africa, it's a taboo to, you know what a taboo is, basically is, um, is a crime to cop- copy off of some of somebody else's work. Sure. I'm like, no, I'm going to hold on to this dude for the rest yeah. of my life because <laughs> without him, I can't pass my class. Yeah. So I held on to him. I had a bunch of friends like you, Tenny. I had a bunch of friends like you that, that cheated off of me in high school and college. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I did. But hey, you got to do whatever it takes, man, right? Yeah, because that's the only way I could. Um, so when I, when I was about to finish high school, that's when I hit, I got an epiphany. And that was the friend I was depending on was going to go study. When we go to college, he was going to go study mechanical engineering. And I wanted to do electrical and electronics engineering. Okay. So and I asked myself, what's going to happen now? Yeah. So I went home. So the, I remember the evening I went home to my mom. I say, hey, mom, so the problem is I just found out that the guy's name is Clever. Clever is about to go study mechanical engineering, and I want to do electronics engineering. So what are we going to do? She was like, why are you depending on Clever? Why don't yeah. you think you can do it? I said, huh, that is interesting. I yeah. might be able to do it. Now, the problem I faced wasn't that I, I cannot basically read and understand and apply myself, was that I didn't have the confidence. Yeah, if I write... Weird. Yeah, if I write, if I have a question and I put in the answers, I'm not sure that that, that's the right answer. So I have to reach out to somebody else to validate what I was doing. Mm -hmm. So anyways, um, my mom said, you can do it, son, you can do it, just try. So I went back to school, went to school, um, um, the exams I would normally take to get out of high school, and uh, I started depending on myself. So when I got into college, now, and I saw somebody that was like me, that is looking for somebody to hold on to. I'm like, huh, so this guy wants to hold on to me. So I got to be the best that I could, right? Yeah. So in college now, I was now the person somebody was depending on. So because I know somebody was depending on me, I study all night because I really know my, my weakness. My weakness is if both of us are in the same class, if it takes you an hour to study and take an exam, it's going to take me 10 hours. So I know, the, I know my weakness. So I'm like, how can I compete and be at the same page with you if you're going to take you one hour? So while everybody is partying, I was in my room studying. Are you ready to automate and explode your real estate investing? We're searching for extremely motivated individuals who are sick and tired of wasting time and want to finally see real results from their real estate investing business. We're searching for investors looking to get to the next level and become a bigger, better version of themselves 
while being a more successful real estate investing entrepreneur. Apply for mentoring and coaching at joshcantwellcoaching.com forward slash podcast. That's joshcantwellcoaching.com forward slash podcast. So, so what was, was it? So Tenny, it was, so, you know, uh, we, we, I talk a lot about in, in, in my different trainings and podcasts and things that the best way to learn is to teach, right? right? You don't really realize how fast when you learn something, let's say real estate, how fast if you study it and learn it, that you already know way more than the average guy knows. So you have some level of knowledge beyond them and right. you can always be reaching up to a mentor or a coach who knows a lot more than you do. And then at the same time, be kind of giving back or passing down or letting somebody reach up to you is a lot of power in being in the middle. And I think that's part of the entrepreneurial challenge that we all have, regardless of what kind of real estate we're in or what kind of business we're in, is to always be a student and a teacher at the same time. Absolutely. 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 And and that that's what and me just knowing that I think it's just something that I felt like I'm obligated to him now mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. somebody was there for me. So and it was, was his learning, it was it was his commitment to learn from you that gave absolutely. you faith in yourself. Is that what you're saying? hundred percent. Okay. Like now I could not see him fail. Yeah. I'm like, no, often no. what won't we often work harder for others than we'll work for ourselves? Ourselves, exactly. So, so, so when I think of like what gives me motivation, it's usually not because something like a bunch of things that I want. It's mm-hmm. usually because I'm fighting for my wife, my children, my father who has Parkinson's. I'm a pancreatic cancer survivor. So giving back to people who, have, uh, wow. who had pancreatic cancer, people that are really struggling now, especially in this virus environment that we're in to pay the bills. What can mm-hmm. we do to give back to them, back to my you know church, my faith, things like that. That gives me more motivation than just saying like, okay, what do I want to do for myself? I want to be rich. I want to have all this money. I want to drive a Ferrari. I want to have a huge house. Uh, yeah. That's not really motivating for me. It's usually giving or providing for someone else. And it sounds like for you that you had like no confidence or very little until you felt obligated to help and provide for someone else. Is that right? Academically. Academically, yes. Then when I was, you know, in, in college. Yeah. Um, again, I was still having some of the struggles that I had, you know, self-esteem problem. Uh, but that was a huge part of me wanting to be more. And at yes. one point, like I said, my family was like, when they say upper class, there was no middle class in Nigeria and the lower class. My family is in the lower class, right? And I asked myself, if I want to be better and I want to take my family out from the lower class and bring them up to the upper class, what do I need to do? What is one thing I can do? All I needed to do was to change my environment. Yeah. And that only environment that I thought about was, what if I move myself to the United States and mm. come here, get my education. Now I can be in classes. I can be in the class with other people that are in the upper class of Nigeria. Now I can wow. meet with them. Now we can have conversation. Yes. So I went to my mom. I said, hey, mom, this is the deal. I want to go to America when I'm done with my undergrad. She's like, you must, my mom, is, she's, not a, she's not illiterate. Like, she's not educated. She's mm-hmm. like, what are you talking about? We don't know anybody in America. How is she going to do it? Yeah. I said, mommy, just tell me that you support me. And, and I'll do what I have to do. She was like, okay, well, on one condition, if you, if you graduate with a summer cum laude, that is the equivalent of what she wanted me to graduate. Wow. With. Yeah. She set the bar high. 
<laughs> Summa cum laude is no joke, man. Graduating with honors. She said you can do yes. it as long as you graduate with honors. Yeah, that's that kind of the, kind of the equivalent. I'm like, all right, um, how am I going to do this? So again, I went back to school and started studying and blah, blah, blah. So yeah, I did a lot of studying to be honest then yeah. because I had to, I had to come to America. <laughs> yeah. So one of the, the things that stood to my head was in each class that I want, you know how they say prophesy what you want and mm-hmm. put it and visualize it. So when the school was on strike, I went to the, to the, to my uh, school. And in, the, in, a, in an apartment of like maybe 50 units, I was the only one in that whole apartment because everybody was home because it was strike. So in my room, it's just like this room that I'm in, I have my classes, each of the class, what grade I wanted on the wall. Okay. So I was taking nine classes then. Nine? Nine. Wow. So I put all of them on the wall. And when I finished studying each one, I write the grade that I want on it. So if it's, let's say computer science, I'll put a big A on it or a big B. Okay. There was no C in the, on the wall. So all of them I put A or B, depending on how I feel about it. And guess what? The exam came, I wrote, <laughs> my GPA score went off. <laughs> Anyways, I finished, got my the, the degree and I took it to my mom and said, hey, mom, I got it. Now, my, my dad wow. is in the picture, but he wasn't in the picture of the drive. He was that guy that just said, oh, what do you need? Yeah, we go take the little amount of money that I have, blah, blah, blah. But he wasn't in the picture of the, the struggle that I went through and the self-doubt and all that. He wasn't part of all this conversation. He was seeing me as a bad child because I was, okay. a, you know, we have two boys and five girls. My older brother is the first and I'm like the, in the middle. Yeah. So he seemed like this, this, the, the bad child. <laughs> <laughs> so I brought the degree to him and said, hey, dad, I got my master's, my bachelor's in electrical electronics engineering. And I graduated with a 2-1. We was like, what? i like, yes, I did it. He was like, so he called a family meeting and, yeah. and we celebrated. And He's I like, like, you were in school? <laughs> <laughs> he was busy providing for the family, right? Exactly. Wasn't, and he was traveling yeah. up uh, everywhere in Nigeria. Um, but anyways... I went to my mom, told her, she said, well, you, you did your part. I'll do my part. Go get admission in, um, to school in, in America. I got, got admitted to school in Virginia called Virginia International University. Um, I went for the visa one time. I went there. I think God just, I was just destined. It's not me doing. It's just that God just wanted me to be here. My yeah. first interview, I went there. I looked at the consular in, in their face and said, hey, listen, I'm going to the United States. Why? I told them. I don't want to be where I'm at. I want to go over there and study to be better. Mm-hmm. They yeah. gave me a visa. I got, just, I took, like that. just like that. I flew to my, where my dad was and told him that I had a visa. Here we go. He was like, so you and your mom have been planning all of these? I said, yes. So who do you go to? You and you go about to go meet in America. I said, we'll figure it out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow. It's like, and, and, and you're, it's, it, you're having so much fun with this. I'm having fun with it. But the, the things that you're doing, a lot of people would say like, oh my God, that's such a big deal. You just seem to say like, this is just what I want. I'm just going to figure it out as I go. I don't know yep. everything, but I'm going to have faith in myself. I have faith in God. I'll have faith in the process that this is just going to work out. I actually looked up, I, I just looked up on my screen, the word faith and the mm-hmm. definition of faith, according to the dictionary is complete trust or confidence in someone or something. 
Mm. Right. So you've, you, you've talked about faith. I'm not talking about like religion. Like I'm Catholic. Mm-hmm. I have a lot of religion, a lot of faith mm-hmm. in Jesus Christ, a lot of faith in God, but I'm talking about faith in yourself, right? Complete faith or confidence. It's just going to work out. And it sounds like you just said, like, I've got to make this happen. I want to go from really the drive seems like from, like you said, lower class to upper class. And if I just change my environment of just going and socializing and networking, being around people that are at this higher level, this is like inevitable for me. Like you had faith that this was just going to happen only a matter of time. I just have unresolved faith. I I wasn't scared. You know, yeah. if you think about moving from your country to another country and you're scared, I was not scared yeah. at all. Well, I've never done that, so I can't, I can't, <laughs> I can't comment. I, I've lived in the same area within 20 to 30 miles of where I grew up my whole life. Uh, mm-hmm. So I, I have not taken that leap, but I understand what you're saying. Like I've been in mastermind groups, for example, when I was a little mm-hmm. bit younger with people that I thought were like 10 times, 20 times, a hundred times further along than me. And I was scared. Like I was, I was literally afraid to walk in the room, but I went and walked in the room anyway mm-hmm. and spent time with those guys that I perceived to be so much further advanced than me, so much further Absolutely. along. And I just said, I'm just going to, I'm just going to go again, just like you did. I'm just going to up-level my game through association by just hanging out with them and just, I'll just see what yep. happens. I know it's part of the process, right? So it's amazing that you said that, but you, you're like, I'm going to move halfway across the country to do it. I didn't know what, to be honest with you, <laughs> I would say like, I was not even thinking about the impact of what I was doing. I was just yeah. like, this is the life I want to, I've chosen. I'm going. And yeah. I just kept going. The lady that I met in the plane coming here, after she heard my story, she didn't even want to give me her phone number. She ran. She, she, when we got out of the plane, she, she, she ran. I had to chase her. I'm like, hey, listen, I, know I don't have any family here. Can I get, at least get a number and I can call you sometime yeah. to ask questions? <laughs> so, um, all right. And then she just nonchalantly gave me her number. Yeah. Um, and then again, I, you know, I went through that, went to the school, the school didn't have a lot of opportunities. So I transferred to Bowie state, Bowie state is in Maryland. Um, and then there I had an opportunity to work in the school. Um, and then one of the memory that stuck to me very closely, my, 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 my girlfriend at the time left me because I didn't have money to be sending to her back home. And I, I do understand okay. why. Um, but the problem is, how do I be sending money home when I cannot even buy shoes? I remember having a shoe. You know how you have water puddles? Yeah, yeah. And my shoe, I was when I was going to grad school, if I put my feet in the water puddle, water goes into my shoe. Oh, socks are all wet, miserable for socks hours. Are all wet, <laughs> my my room, my room I was staying in has a twin bed in there with no window blinds. I got a window blind. I changed my bed when I met my wife. Okay. <laughs> so when I knew that a girl was coming to my house now, because I broke up my, my, my ex and I met my wife, I had to go buy a cotton on my window and then change, try to change. No, she was coming when we wanted to have my twin bed. After a little while, then I was able to afford to change my bed. Yeah. That's how, you wow. know, and I just knew the only thing I had that could set me apart was this education. In my class, they thought I was a genius. Okay. I was, I was, um, I graduated with a 3.9 GPA because oh. my, uh, somebody, I had a B in one class. Cause your mom told you that you had to, you, you had to graduate with honors. I didn't have anything else. I didn't have yeah. anything <laughs> apart from school. <laughs> yeah. Well, what, what do you, what's the takeaway from that? Right. For you, for me, for our listeners is that for that period of your life, whether it was, I think, you know, two years or four years to get your graduate degree, 
you were laser focused on one thing. One thing. And you just did that one thing. And that's really sort of the the blessing and the curse of our society today. Absolutely. Is so much social media, so much information, so many advertisements coming at us that we have a hard time focusing on one thing for an extended period of time. Okay. Henry Ford once said, the greatest trait a man can have is the ability to focus on one thing for an extended period of time. And you came to a new country, learned a new language, didn't know anybody, didn't even have blinds on your windows, wet socks and shoes, but you focused on one thing and you graduated with honors in a totally new language and a totally new uh, society. Culture and everything. Yeah. So, so you graduate and, and, and you've had a lot of success in your regular job, right? W2 job. Tell me about that. Like, what did you do for work before you got into real estate? So before I graduated, I got a job in DC. I graduated on the, I think on the 18th of December of 2012 from grad school. I got an offer before that time. So by that time graduating, I already got a job. So from there, I transitioned to Boeing. Um, I worked there as a cybersecurity expert with them. And then from there, I transitioned to Deloitte, became a consultant with Deloitte as well. Got it. So that's my professional background. But in 2016, um, while I was working at Boeing, I was looking for, because I already have, in my mind, I was thinking about this 9 to 5 WT is not just going to be the path. There has mm-hmm. to be something better. Um, so one thing, one thing I thought about was, okay, since I'm in the cyberspace, I'm working with a defense company, which is Boeing. Why don't that open up a, a, a contracting company, like one of the companies that offers employees to the government? Mm-hmm. So why don't I open up a company? So I opened up a company called Toulouse Network, um, probably to, to open, provide uh, consulting services to the government. But in that process, as I was doing that, I got sick. I, have, I hurt my fifth disc, uh, where I could not sit down, I couldn't sneeze, I couldn't do anything. Um, now, this is an interesting part of the story. So, you know, now I, I have a nice job, you know, things were good. Now I was like, I have to take care of my mom, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I flew my mom here, brought my baby sister here. I said, my baby sister has to go to grad school. Now I'm going to be paying for her to go to grad school. Okay, brought my mom wow. here to take care of my mom, uh, for she to come take care of her health. So everything was good. This was in 2016. My mom came in January of 2016. In March, before my birthday, that's when I hurt my back. Now, okay. maybe I brought my mom here to take care of her. She now has to not start taking care of me. Take care of Because yeah. I cannot move, you know. So that was a big changer in my mind. I'm like, oh, my God. Look at me trying to help my family do everything. What, what, what's going to happen to me? Mm-hmm. So everything that I was doing was off. I just do everything away. The, w, the W2, the um, company that I opened, everything, I just do everything away. So I'm just trying to think about myself. What is what's next? What's next? What's next? So when I went through physical therapy, I didn't want to go through surgery. They said I should mm-hmm. go, through, go through surgery. I said, I don't want to do that. And so I went through physical therapy. So when I was coming, coming out of physical therapy, I'm like, let me start asking myself, what can I do? What kind of services can I provide to other people? So I came into a, I found a company that offers a solution that can help people that are professionals like myself. If they get sick, they don't lose their home and all those kind of stuff. I'm like, that sounds good because... Yeah, I have all this dependent on me. What if I wasn't able to provide to them? I would have been screwed. So yeah. I got into the financial services industry. Um, I started providing financial solutions to people. And that's how I, I met Leslie, who is my okay. partner in real estate. So I've always been a student of Robert, Kiyos- um, Robert Kiyosaki. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I read, read the Rich Dad Poor Dad of Cashflow Quadrant. And in the Cashflow Quadrant, he talked about the E, the S, 
the B and the I, right? I've always started thinking about how can I be in the, I, the B and the I quadrant, right? And the B is beauty business, I is investing in real estate. Mm-hmm. I've already started building a business in the financial space, but the I part was missing, which is real estate investment. Mm-hmm. So when I met Leslie, and I met Leslie through his wife, I went to do a presentation for financial services, and I met about 10 to 12 ladies, and they were, they were all in the medical field. Uh, I just did a presentation, and they're like, oh, yeah, I want to le- learn more. So I, Leslie's wife was the only woman that gave me audience and said, listen, come to the house and come and talk to my husband. Okay. So I went there. Leslie's very skeptical, very analytical, sure. very f- focused. He has a whole bunch of questions that he said he wanted to ask, ask me. And I just went there, and I just shared with them what I was doing. Mm-hmm. Shared my philosophy, shared with him my, the books I'm reading and a whole bunch of things I was doing. He was like, man, this is a good guy. Yeah. I need to know you more. <laughs> nice. So from there, both of us started going to uh, one, one brewery close to us. Uh, we started playing the Robert Kiyosaki board game. It's called the cash flow board game, something like yeah. that. So we started playing that game. And then from there, we started talking about entrepreneurship. I said, you know, I've been doing entrepreneurship. I'm very good with people. Like I said, I'm not scared. If the president is right here, I have his phone number. You say, give him a call. I'll call him right now. Yeah. <laughs> That's the kind of person I am. Yeah. Right. Um, so I told him, listen, I'm not scared of networking. You know, if there's a room of people, 10,000 people in the room right now, I can go to everybody and say, hey, my name is Tenny. Yeah. Right. Um, so he, he kind of liked that. You know, he said, OK, how can we work together? So he's already started investing in real estate. Me, the only real estate I had was my property that I live in. Um, and he said, listen, we can do something. So we started researching about real estate and uh, we, we looked into assistant living, we looked into uh, single family, we looked into fix and flip and a whole bunch of different strategies that are available out there. And then yeah. we came to the conclusion that multifamily is the best access class to help us achieve our goals. Yeah. So in 2019, we incorporated Excite Capital. Um, and then when you, when you start a business like that, for me, that is not too familiar with it. What do I need? I need to educate myself. Mm-hmm. So we enrolled in um, mentorship programs, took a whole bunch of class, went to a lot of networking events, just immerse ourselves big time. Yeah. Um, and then in that process, we were able to network with the right folks, had an opportunity to um, 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 be a part of 192 units uh, property in Marietta, Georgia last year. And this year we're looking to acquire 500 uh, units as well before this whole pandemic started. Yeah. Um, so that is, that's my story. <laughs> yeah. Wow, Tenny, I love it. So, um, so let's pivot then now into, well, I have a couple comments first <laughs> before we talk mm-hmm. about real estate and your favorite type of multifamily deal. But a couple comments are, I just keep thinking about how, first of all, how blessed we are in the United States that, you know, to be a student at a university that many people in other parts of the world already considered that to be upper class, right? Absolutely. If, if you just are in high school and you're getting an education, you have clothes on your back, you have a place to go to, you're safe, you have an environment of home, you have parents, you know, even if you're from a single, single family parent, brother, sister, everybody's safe, you have transportation, you can go to a high school or a college, university, that in you compare that to most parts of the world, you're already a uh, middle class or upper, upper middle class relative to the rest of the world. So let's Absolutely. just keep that in mind that we're so fortunate in the United States that we cannot like rest on our 
you know, rest on our comfort zone and say, well, I've, I've got a pretty good life. I mean, how many people in the United States that are, you know, middle class or, you know, lower middle class or upper middle class that could be achieving so much more, but they don't know struggle like you did. They don't know poverty. They don't know not having an education. So they take all that for granted and they monkey around the rest of their life, farting around with, you know, not achieving, not pursuing because they're like, you know, this, this is good enough. Right. And comfort is the enemy of progress. Comfort is the enemy of growth. So many people in the U S are comfortable that they're not reaching. And that's why you see so many immigrants, you know, the Asian community, community, your community, Nigerian community, people that don't have a lot all of a sudden that like, I've got to get there. And then when I'm there, you're like, well, might as well just keep going. Right. Might as well just keep building. And uh, so I just want to recognize that, man, and just tell you how, first of all, how proud I am of you, how, how awesome Thank it you. is to hear your story. Um, and you to tell much. my listeners, like, you've got no excuse if, if, you, if you know, they have no excuse after no, hearing what no. we just heard, Tenny, from you, that they can't achieve more and do more because they most likely grew up with the same or more, slightly more maybe than what you did. Because you, you really came Absolutely. from almost nothing. Let me, let me tell you this. Yes, the other day I was, I was having dinner with my family. I was like, man, I'm having a dinner with an American wife. <laughs> I was growing up, growing up, that was not something that you can think that is even possible. I, I could not fathom it. That yeah. I'm being America and I'm having an American wife. Wow, wow. There's no way I could conceive that. But at so, one point, I had to believe that's possible. <laughs> yeah. So, Tony, help me understand, like, the, the comparison between, like, where you are now relative to what, and I, don't, this, I, don't want, I don't want to sound offensive, but what class would you be in in Nigeria? W- comparing where you are now in the U.S., would you be, like, upper class, upper middle class, like, way upper class in Nigeria? you know, comparing to what you have now in the U.S.? I just don't understand the difference in classes, societal, you know, differences between Nigeria and the U.S. With my income, I'll be upper class. Yeah. With the income okay. I make and the standard of living that I'm, I'm living, you know, I definitely will be in the upper class. Yeah. Now, I might not be in the elites, but definitely upper class for sure. Yeah, right. Sure. Even in America right now, I'm, I think I'm getting close. I'm after the upper class in America right now. Yeah. As well. So, um, so in Nigeria, definitely upper class. My newest and most powerful real estate investing book, The Flip System, is now available. And for a limited time, you can grab your free copy at getflipsystem.com forward slash podcast. Using the same proven principles, secrets, and investing strategies I'm sharing in this book, I've been able to personally close over 750 highly profitable real estate deals over the last 15 years, make over 400 private lender loans, raise over $30 million of private money, and acquire over 2,000 units of apartments. Get my newest book now for free for a limited time at getflipsystem.com slash podcast. That's getflipsystem.com slash podcast. I like the one thing that stands out to me out of all the things you've said is just that you changed your environment. Yes. Like just that changed my environment. Those three words, I need to change my environment. And if I change my environment and who I'm associating with, 
I can completely change the course of my life, which is what you've done Absolutely. to the point where like, you're like laughing about it. Like I have an American wife. I'm so excited about it. It's yeah, so, <laughs> it's, it's just and, cool, and man. It's just so cool. One thing I don't do often. I don't do a lot. I need to do more of it is gratitude. Mm-hmm. Sure. Because in order for you to have gratitude, you have to look at where you've been and where you are right now. And yeah. then you'll be able to appreciate the journey. And that mm-hmm. was that dinner. That's what happened. Yeah. I was looking at my wife and looking at my daughter. I'm like, man, this is how far I've come. Sometimes yeah. when I share my story, when my wife met me, like I said, I had a twin bed in my room. She was with me. She had a little car. It's anyways, I don't want to yeah. go into it anymore. Yeah. It's okay. <laughs> Let's keep yeah. going in the interview. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I tell, I, I, I have it actually sitting right above my computer on my wall right mm-hmm. here that says, a great day always begins in the gym and ends with a book. And the reason why, for me, a great day begins in the gym and ends with a book is typically when I'm in the gym or reading or listening to an audiobook, mm-hmm. um, really that allows me to, to reflect and think about what I'm grateful for. And, and, and so Absolutely. gratitude is the underlying theme behind the physical activity of being in the gym, the physical activity of listening to a book or reading a book. Is It, it, it allows me to completely clear my mind and I, then Absolutely. I have the opportunity to think about wow, look how grateful I am. Look at all the things that have gone right. And even the things that have gone wrong. We have a lot of things that have gone wrong over the last Go 20 wrong. years. Mm-hmm. Um, to think like, what are the lessons I've learned from the things that have not gone right? Right. The times I've gotten screwed, the times that things didn't work out. Cause that stuff happens yeah. too. Um, so, so Tenny, let, let's talk for a few minutes about multifamily real estate. So you said you did all this research, fix and flips, rentals, single family, self-storage, assisted living. You landed on multifamily real estate and apartment buildings, and you you have this 192 unit already. Um, And so tell me about your strategy today. What are you you looking for to acquire more of these 500 doors? What specific asset classes? What specific types of areas? Is it value-add? Is it, you know, and how are you looking at, you know, the syndication side of things? Um, actually, pretty much what we're doing right now um, is just build more of um, an investor base. Um, the, the why we, we chose multifamily is because, one, we will not be able to take the asset class on our own. Right. If you observe, you know, we have a meetup that we have uh, running right now. And a whole bunch of the people that we meet at this meetup are people that already do fit and flip, wholesaling. And one of the problems that they had was or they have like single family homes that they rent, is the problem of management. You know, the day-to-day running of the property and the headache from tenants and all that stuff that comes with it. And when we discovered that, that is something that we can transfer. And if you can remember, I talked about leverage earlier. If we can transfer that responsibility to an expert that can take care of that, while we get the benefit of having a property, why don't we do that? Mm-hmm. So. Right now, we're looking to bring in a bunch of people like us that are looking to have real estate properties, but don't want to be worried about the whole big management of the property, running of the property, dealing with tenants and all those stuff. Mm-hmm. We want to look for those. Those are the kind of people we're looking to do. So this year, our goal is to acquire 500 unit. Um, but with this whole pandemic going on right now, we're still having that as our, as our goal. Mm-hmm. Working, building our brand and doing our marketing and continuing to talk to investors on a daily basis and do what we're supposed to be doing, right? Mm-hmm. And of mm-hmm. course, we're always open to learning and getting feedback from people that we meet. But our goal is right now 
is to look at for one of these emerging markets. And one of those markets we identify is, uh, is North Carolina, the Charlotte area, Charlotte, Durham, Chapel Hill area, because the growth in terms of demographic there is really good. Um, my, part, my partner, Leslie, actually went to school down, down in Greensboro. So he's familiar with the area. And right. I went there with my family not too long ago, visited the market. It's a great market. And um, we want to be in that market as well. So that's one area we have a team already. We have a you know, property management company, brokers, and you know, the team, team that can help us run the business uh, down there. So once this whole pandemic get die down a little bit, we're going to make, take a trip down there, meet with our brokers, and start looking at asset class that we can take down so that we can start moving towards achieving our goals. Yeah. So, Tenny, tell me a little bit more about your the way you're building your team, right? Because a lot of people... Uh, understand, you know, large uh, assets like large apartments requires a team, you know, property management right. company, boots on the ground operator, general Correct. partners, somebody who can sponsor the loan, somebody who can raise money, all these different kind of things. Um, so tell me a little bit more about that for you. Like, how are you building your team? How are you networking? Um, who, who do you want to put on your team that you have? Or who do you need to put on your team that you don't quite have yet? Yeah, so we um, when when it comes to the team, um, when it comes like property management company, when we we got involved with the uh, property in Marietta, Georgia, I went there for the due diligence process. So I went, I was there for two days, and we we walked to the properties and had an opportunity to interview the property management company that was going to be in charge of the property, and had a great conversation with him and um, the the sponsors of that property. Uh, they've been in that market in in, in uh, Atlanta for a while. And this property management company is one of the companies that they vouch for. So I, you know, I had an interview with the, the 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 lead, the regional director, and I say, hey, listen, we're looking to acquire property in um in North Carolina. Do you guys cover those areas? And he said, absolutely. So he did an introduction to some of his folks in, in North Carolina. So we have that property management team. Um, they're very big. They're on our website. Uh, the other guys that manage uh, that we want them to manage our property, and then when it comes to sponsors, it's just networking. Um, so we were part of a, a group, a mentorship group, where we were able to network with some high net worth folks, both people that have about twenty four hundred units to three thousand units under their belt mm-hmm. uh, that we're, we're going to be working with when it comes to sponsorship and stuff like that. Um, of course, we have our attorneys and um, accountants, a whole bunch of all that people that's part of the team. And then for Boots on the Ground, it's again, the same networking. Um, we've met some great people that lives down there in, in, um, in North Carolina area. And we've had meetings with them. We're trying to make sure that our philosophy aligns because again, you want to do business with people that have the same philosophy with you so that if you go into business, you guys can uh, continue to do business. Not that you go into business and then at the end of the day, it doesn't work out and then you have to sell the property and all this kind of um, headache. So we want to go into a business with a solid people, a group of people that will feel that we can grow together than going with just rushing to anything. If it Got takes it. us 10 years to find the right group, yeah, that means it's 10 years for us. So we're not yeah. in a rush. And that's a conversation we're having with our investors. If you're in a rush right now, we can show you some other operators that are in the marketplace. You can go with them. But we're not in, a, in any form of a rush. We're not in desperate mode right now. Yeah. So Got our it. time and building our stuff. Tenny, you said, um, and again, as we kind of round, to use a baseball analogy, round third mm-hmm. and head for home to kind of wrap up our, our interview today, um, you had said you did a lot of research on fix and flip and single family and these other asset classes and landed on multifamily. Tell me why. What, what, what did you find in multifamily that stuck out that, that led you down that path? 
Um, I think it's just excitement, man. <laughs> um, I think me and my partner, me and Leslie, we met, and after we we did this, we just excited about the industry, um, and we just started researching. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the main thing for um, multifamily, again, like I mentioned, is having that expert manage the property for you because they are going to run it on a day-to-day basis. So actually, we actually put in me and Leslie, after we formed our company, we put in an offer for a couple of single-family homes. We had to pull back those offers because we realized that we have to go, go, go in there, manage this property, run around, do all these things. And then we started studying, we observed the number of units you have to have in order for you to be able to afford a property management company. I'm like, huh, we not talked about vacancy. How does vacancy impact your, your income and cash flow? You know, and when it comes to taxes, when it comes to leverage, you know, uh, when it comes to people who need to have place to live, mm-hmm. you know, um, so all of, all of these things made a lot of sense to us. So we're like, you know what, I think apartment, of course, as we grow in the future, we might decide to say, okay, maybe there are some other ways we can serve, which is provide um, um, real estate for, for a certain group of people. But for now, we think multifamily and our philosophy is how do we make use multifamily to provide affordable housing to people mm-hmm. where they're excited to live it. Um, our, our, our philosophy is how do we create uh, an environment by design? Um, how do we make sure that somebody wants to live in a place, they can use that, they can conceptualize it and then actually live in there. Again, that's yeah. for the future. But again, this, that's, those are some of the exciting reasons why we, some of the exciting reasons why we uh, chose, chose more. Yeah, yeah. I mean, all the things you talked about, leverage, being able to bring in a partner, you know, some people think like, how am I going to buy a $20 million apartment deal? Well, there's people that, that that like to just step in and sponsor loans. That, that That's their role. There's other people that are good at raising money. There's other good at boots on the ground. And your job is to kind of orchestrate pulling all those people together. together. I, I, I did a, a podcast yesterday and um, actually it was one of my coaching calls and we talked about the, the movie about Steve Jobs where he's up on stage mm-hmm. and uh, Wozniak is out in the crowd, his, his partner, his original partner from Apple and Woz is pissed off and he's kind of berating Steve Jobs in front of a bunch of people and he says like, what do you do? You don't sit on a workbench, you don't, you don't create software, you don't create hardware, you don't do marketing. Like what, who, like what do you do? <laughs> and he says, Waz, I'm the, I'm, I'm the orchestra conductor. Yep. Right. And the orchestra conductor is no more important than the people in the orchestra yep. because some people have to play the cello and some people have to play the violin and some people have to play mm-hmm. these different instruments, but somebody has to be the conductor. conductor. Right? And that's really what you're, t- what you're saying. It's a very similar analogy as you're going to be the conductor. You are going to pull in the different pieces of the puzzle together. And that's as any CEO of any, in any leadership team, that's their job is to pull people together as the conductor. You don't really have to, people say, well, you don't do anything. You're the CEO. The truth is, is I know how to do everything, but my main job is team building, networking, recruiting right. capital, bringing in the right operators, and then doing the due diligence to find the right deals. That's ultimately your job. Um, you don't have to have a huge balance sheet and sponsor every loan. You don't have to have every connection and raise every dollar. You don't have to manage every unit. Your job is to be the conductor. Absolutely. Oh, and, if you surround this, and if you surround yourself with the right team, um, we are really, really huge in leverage, man. Because again, this is because you know me 
after I got to a point where I became like, I, I know my stuff, you know, don't mess around with me. You know, I think mm-hmm. I'm good. But as I continued to do personal development and I, I came to the realization that a lot of people that are successful, they surround themselves to the best. Yeah, absolutely. Right? No um, doubt. I mean, I, that's what we're doing. I heard a great, uh, I heard a great interview with the uh, CEO of 1-800-GOT-JUNK. Okay, and I've passed the story along to many people, and I, well, you know, we'll wrap up. We'll wrap up our interview here with this. But uh, he said in the interview, he said, you know, I never had a great idea. He's like, my idea of R and D was rip off and duplicate. <laughs> <laughs> he said, you know, I just, I just surrounded myself with amazing people. Yeah. I took their best ideas and I pulled their best ideas into my business. It was the ultimate version of don't reinvent the wheel. Real, it was another, exactly. And he kind of used the R and D instead of research and development of rip off oh, and duplicate. I've been saying that for years now because I love it so much. Um, but you know, it, that's the whole idea. Like there's really not a whole lot of like new ideas in the world. Like Facebook comes out. That's a new idea, right? Uber comes out. That's a new idea. Okay. It totally disrupts an industry, but generally 99.8% or 99.9% of what we do, somebody else has already done it. They've already had the idea. It's just mm-hmm. how can you pull their information, their strategies into your life and implement them in a passionate way to do what and accomplish what you want to accomplish. Right? You want to accomplish. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. That's fantastic, Tenny. Well, listen, we've got to wrap, but this has been amazing. I've had such a blast getting to know you and your story. Um, and like Thank I said, we're getting, getting ready for this. One of my daughter's closest friends is Nigerian. Okay. Her parents were immigrants. Um, I coach her in volleyball. Her name is Aima mm-hmm. Odiawa. And, uh, oh, and I'm a yeah. total doll. Actually, today's her birthday. Um, she's, uh, she's an amazing kid. We're going we're gonna to drive by and honk the horns and wave and social distance for her birthday. Um, yeah, and, please. Uh, tell, her, tell her happy birthday for me that you spoke to one Nigerian. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Her older brother, Remy, reminds me a little bit of you. Um, oh, but man, just an awesome story. Thank you so much. So for any of our audience that would want to connect with you, invest in your deals, network with mm-hmm. you, whatever, what's the best place for them to reach out to you? So you can go go to excitecapital.com. Excite is spelled X as in xylophone, S as in Samuel, I as in indigo, T as in tango, E as in Edward, capital.com. Perfect. Yeah, we'll um, put that in the show notes. Perfect. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then my, my email is titolofari at excitecapital.com. My cell phone number is 202-569-5072. That is awesome. 202-569-5072. Tenny, listen, this has been an absolute blast getting to know you and your story a little bit better. Look forward to seeing all your success and to continue yeah, to level Josh, up. We'd like to come back on. We'd like to come back on with my partner. I don't know if you're open yeah. to it, but me and my partner would like to come back on and uh, you get to hear our story, you know, our journey. And, and yeah. there's a whole bunch of things I would have loved to say. You know, when you start sharing your story, you don't want to stop sh- talking about it. Yeah. Uh, because it's, it, there's some people out there that to exp- inspire. And, you know, that's what our goal is. Somebody just, even if it's one person that we inspire uh, to, to, to do more and be out there, help more people, um, that's, that's worth it. Absolutely. Tenny, listen, thank you so much for joining us today on Accelerated Investor. Appreciate it. Appreciate it, Josh. I look forward to meeting you and talking to you again. All right. You got it. Take care. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. 
You've been listening to Josh Cantwell and the Accelerated Investor Podcast. Leave a comment on our iTunes channel and let us know what you want to learn next or who you'd like Josh to interview. While you're there, give us a five-star rating and make sure to subscribe so you can be the first to hear new episodes. Follow Josh Cantwell and his companies, Strategic Real Estate Coach and Freeland Ventures on all social media platforms now and stay up to date on new training and investment opportunities. To start your journey toward the lifestyle you've always dreamed of, apply for coaching at joshcantwellcoaching.com. Oh.